Hi, and welcome to another episode of Blockchain Hustle. This is Meenu here, and today I'll share a brief on what crypto and blockchain is all about, kind of demystifying these two concepts. So let me start with an analogy here, that of a food court. Now, in this food court, you have the accepted tender being these plastic discs or tokens. And uh, to access the food beverage at any one of the stalls, you first need to purchase these tokens in exchange for the fiat currency. And you do that at the cashier. So you put in your uh, Indian rupees, US dollar, Singapore dollar, whatever currency is there. And you get these tokens, you use those tokens in that food court. And when you're done with it, you return those tokens back at the cashier. And if there's any value left in those tokens, that is returned back to you in the same fiat currency. Now, this is exactly what you have in a crypto world. You have these crypto tokens, which you purchase at your crypto exchanges with a fiat currency. And then you use these tokens to access, digitally access any products or services within that crypto ecosystem. And once you're done with it, you can return those tokens back at the exchange and get back your fiat currency. Now, in most of the cases, you would not have a very strong incentive to hold onto the token. Maybe perhaps for the reason that that token does not have much of a value outside that ecosystem. But in certain cases like Bitcoin, where you can speculate and say, hey, the price of Bitcoin is going to go high and I will hold on to it. And then when it goes high, I would sell it. So that would be a different aspect. But other than that, where we are talking about utility serving some purpose, uh, we are kind of, we can return those tokens back into the crypto. So how do you define a token? The token is a digital representation of a unit of value which is issued by an entity. Now, this is very different from the uh, fiat currency because in the fiat currency, the uh, currency is uh, published or it is given out. It is controlled by the uh, reserve bank or the central bank of that country. But here in the digital world, in the crypto world, there could be several thousands and thousands of these token creators. And when we talk about an entity here, we're talking, talking about these token creators. Now, there are broadly three types of tokens, payment, utility, and an asset token. Now, the payment tokens are very synonymous with the cryptocurrencies. And in most of the cases, they become accepted as your means of payment over a period of time. And a very popular example out here is your uh, Bitcoin. So in the uh, food code example, we were using it as a payment token. The second one is the utility token. And these tokens are used to access some digital product or digital service. And your third one, which is the asset token. Now, these asset tokens in terms of their economic functions, we can say that they are analogous to your equities, your bonds, derivatives, the financial instruments. 
and you can also call them as your security robots. When we have the question would come, hey, then is money or let's say is crypto the same as money? And before one would comment on it, let's take a very quick look at money. Now, money serves three functions. One, it's a medium of exchange. Something like when we talked about in the food code, that was being used as a medium of exchange. And uh, when we talk about the store of value, that's the second function of money. Now, when we talk about a store of value, we would usually associate it with entities which do not fluctuate too much. So uh, the fiat currencies, they would go up and down, but it's not so much. And we can put them as stores of value. However, when we talk about the crypto tokens, most of them, they're very dynamic in nature. They have volatile pricing. So it is kind of difficult for somebody to put a token, a crypto token as a store of value. However, if you have to do some transactions through crypto, there are some tokens which are called the stable coins and they are uh, uh, pegged to some real, uh, real world assets which are stable. So example is a US dollar and the stable coin associated with the US dollar is called a USD tether, USDT. And you could use that for your transactions so that you know what is the value that you're getting. You don't have to keep looking at the exchange and uh, see if it is going to change very dynamically. Then we have that, what about tokens on a blockchain? Now these tokens, they do not have any physical form, they're digital in nature. And uh, these tokens, they are created, stored, and they are managed on a blockchain. They're cryptographically secure on it. And their supply is not uh, determined by any centralized entity, like I mentioned before, not by any central bank of any country. Rather, uh, it is done by the different token creators. So their supply is not centralized, it is decentralized. And when you put these tokens on a blockchain, then that becomes a real game changer. But before we get on to that, let's see what is a blockchain. Now, instead of defining a blockchain, let me give you an analogy. Now, most of us, I'm taking an example here, which a simple transaction, which most of us would have gone through in a life some once or twice or whenever. Uh, this is of buying a car. Now, when I want to buy a secondhand car and I want to ascertain what I'm buying, right? I need to know things like, are the tires the original ones or have they been bought from the original or the branded manufacturer, my car brake linings are fine, they are original, uh, the insurance policies are fine, it has, whether the car has met with an accident, if so, what is the extent and so forth. So you want to know all the details about the car, what you are buying. Now here you have two options, either you trust the seller and just take whatever he says or you have to hunt for the records and then you have to go through all the records and this going through the records etc hunting the records 
is a very messy, it's a very complex process, it's very fragmented. And there are a lot of friction points out here. So imagine now, instead of this scenario, what if you were to put all the transactions and all the different stakeholders, the different entities like your manufacturer, your dealer, the registration office and so forth, what if they were to put all the transactions into a ledger and once they put the uh, put each transaction onto a ledger then they get a unique identifier key and that key acts like a seal so once i have recorded something onto my ledger once a transaction has been recorded i cannot alter it nobody can alter it that becomes immutable and also these transactions can be all connected together and even the sequence in which they get connected, that cannot be altered. So the content and the sequence does not get altered. So that big ledger is your blockchain. And all these different transactions, when you club them together, you are getting what we call as blocks. And then these blocks get connected together and they form your blockchain. So that's a simple explanation of a blockchain. Now, one of the, what are the advantages? So fine, you have put your records, etc., on a blockchain, but how does it help? Now, in this simple example, you see that in the current world, your records can be tampered. The process is very opaque. There's no transparency. The data is all into silos, and these are not talking to each other. And there are intermediaries, and all this makes the whole process, the whole transaction of buying or selling a car pretty costly in terms of time in terms of money and other resources so when you put all these transactions when you put all these records onto a blockchain you get transparency and therefore some trust you know that the data which is written cannot be altered it is immutable uh, it's secure and there are no third party involvement so that gives you a sense of security and uh, this would reduce the fraud, the friction points, and it makes it all more time effective, efficient, cost efficient. Now, let's get on to some uh, characteristics of a blockchain, apart from that immutability that we were talking about. Now, another part I mentioned earlier was that the sequence in which the blocks get connected, that also doesn't change. And actually, that gives rise to a very key attribute, which is called provenance, which means that I can track the order in which the transactions happen. And there is a transparency and there is an accurate tracking. And it is, uh, it's a feature which is very strongly used in various business applications, like in supply chains and so forth. Okay, that's your provenance feature. Another thing that I wanted to talk about here is your decentralization and the distributed ledger. So let's take an example. So you have A and B and uh, A wants to purchase some books, let's say from B using some digital money. And uh, he can, he, A can say that, hey, look, uh, I have, uh, why can't I make a digital copy of this money? and I get the books from B and I still keep that money with myself. 
I give one copy to B for the books and why omit it? Why not do another transaction by using a copy of the same money to C? Unfortunately, money cannot be photocopied. You cannot make multiple copies of your legal tender. And how is that ensured? And that, folks, is where the banks come in. Now, the banks here ensure that when uh, some money is credited to B, it has to be first deducted from A's account. And when it transfers any money to C, again, the same process is done. That is, the money gets deducted from A's account before being credited somewhere else. Now, the bank in this case is maintaining your ledger. It is securing your funds and it is maintaining the ledger. And this bank is trusted by all the entities who are involved in these transactions. But this service, this thing about maintaining your ledger, securing your funds, etc., that doesn't come free. The bank charges money. And of course, there is some transaction time cost which is involved. It is not instantaneously. It takes some time. So, but what if we were to remove the bank, the central entity from this picture and we replace it with a blockchain or let's say a group of people, a crowd of people and each person in this group has a stake in this entire process and this group says, hey, I pitch in to maintain this master ledger. Now, because this group has some, <clears throat> has some kind of a stake in this whole system, it would work, it's, in, it's incentivized to maintain this ledger. And each person in this group, in this crowd, they're called nodes, and each person in this uh, group of users, they have the same copy of the ledger as the other person. So if, let's say, somebody was to tamper one record with one person, then he or she has to do the same changes in the ledgers or in the records of each and every person within this group. And that makes hacking almost impossible. Uh, so I talked about nodes. Nodes is actually the computing devices through which uh, this whole network of a blockchain is made. And these are the ones which are maintaining the blockchain, blockchain network. So with Using this crowd or using this group, what you have just done is you have decentralized the whole process and the ledger has got distributed. Now, when we talk about a crowd, when you have a decentralized and a distributed ledger, right, then it leads to several questions. Questions like which transaction should be recorded? Like there would be a number of transactions, there's a pool of transactions. Now, which should be recorded? How do we validate them? Who records first? And who amongst the people who has recorded, whose uh, block would get added onto the blockchain first? And before it is updated into everyone's record. And how does one ensure all this in a crowd comprising of multiple people who are not even in the same room? And for all this, we need a consensus mechanism, an agreement. It's basically an affirmation that once a transaction goes through, 
it cannot be arbitrarily changed or revoked. And there are a number of consensus mechanisms out there in the market, uh, like proof of stake, proof of work, digital, uh, sorry, delegated proof of stake, and several others. Now, if you do want to know some more details about these consensus mechanisms, I do have one of the episodes in my earlier recordings, which has the details of, uh, of these consensus mechanisms. So if you want to take a look, do so, please. Then another aspect of blockchain is what we call as the disintermediation, which is removing the intermediaries. Now, going back to our previous example of A and B, where A is purchasing some books from B, now, there could be some apprehension. A can say, hey, what if once I get, once I give the money to B, I do not get the books? Similarly, B would say that, hey, what happens if I give the books and A doesn't pay me? So how does, how do you remove this quandary? So this is again where the banks come into the picture and they have the escrow facility where a puts it, uh, puts his money into, to the, gives his money to bank, puts it into an escrow facility, and then that money would get released to B only when A uh, confirms the receipt of the books in this particular case. Now, what if we were to remove this bank and put a blockchain here? How is this escrow facility implemented? And this is where a term called smart contract occurs. Now, smart contract is a very strong feature of blockchain. And uh, what is a smart contract? And uh, I would give you a very simple, a very interesting, but a very primitive example of a smart contract, which is very often used in this world. And that is of a vending machine. Now, in a vending machine, let's say you want to buy a can of soda. What do you do? You go and select the can, the soda that you want. You put in some money, you get the can from the machine. The money, the machine ejects that can. And if there is any leftover change, it gives you that also. And if you haven't put adequate amount of money in this machine, the machine would keep waiting. It is not going to give you any can any soda. So this machine, this vending machine is your smart contract. It's got some hard-coded rules of what to do when certain conditions happen. You put in the exact amount of money, you get the soda. You do not put the adequate amount, you don't get anything. So similarly, smart contract is basically a piece of code which is written on a blockchain and it resides on the blockchain. It executes certain actions when certain conditions are met. So that's basically a simple smart contract. Now, smart contracts have removed the intermediaries from the picture because they get executed automatically. Our next thing here is on a wallet. Now, let's say you have your crypto tokens. Now, what do you do with them? Where are these tokens stored? These tokens are stored in what we call as the digital crypto wallets. 
and there are different types of wallets but broadly speaking we put them into two buckets hardware wallets and your software wallets in the hardware wallets the keys the keys which give you access to your digital token your crypto tokens the keys are stored in the hardware device like a usb stick or a usb uh, thumb drive and it's completely offline and only when you want to do some transaction you want to access your tokens then you plug it into your computing device connect it to the internet and you do your transactions but in most of the cases when you're not interacting it is offline and therefore it is more secure and it's also called a cold wallet the next uh, category of the wallet is called the web wallet or also called the software wallet now web wallet or the software wallet to access them you have to connect to the internet they always need to be online and that's one of the reasons why some people talk about they may not be so secure and you hold your wallet via the exchange account or through a custody wallet now i have used the term wallet because that's the one which is predominantly used in the industry but the wallet actually does not hold your tokens it is it holds the keys to your tokens and uh, you may say that maybe the keychain term would be more appropriate but wallet is a term which is used in the industry now there are two types of keys public and the private now the public key refers to the address on the blockchain where your tokens reside so public key is the address is is the is the key that you give whenever you have to give the address when you have to receive the tokens into your wallet and the other one is your private key which is basically a password or a secret phrase and you cannot afford to lose this private key because if you lose this key you lose your tokens and nobody can retrieve it for you the next one here is your exchanges now exchanges are those forums where you can trade your tokens so it could be a crypto to a, another crypto or a fiat to a crypto crypto to a fiat etc and examples of these exchanges are your binance liquid ftx coinbase and there are several others but predominantly these exchanges are into again into two categories centralized and your decentralized in the centralized exchange the exchange holds your funds for you and it does your transactions on your behalf and it is more like your regular equities uh, exchange or your online brokerage firm with its order books it's simple easy to use user interface but because the exchange is holding your funds and it is doing the transactions on your behalf there could be a counterparty risk and the exchanges may get hacked in the decentralized exchange you hold your funds and the transaction happens directly between two users between the two user wallets it's a peer to peer transactions but it's a little bit somewhat complex to use and typically the experienced folks access or use this and in most of the cases all these trades they happen 24 by 7
So folks, this was a quick primer on the blockchain and crypto. And uh, if you want to understand more, get some more details, or you want to know some more things, please do take a look at my Blockchain Hustle podcast and the uh, YouTube videos. On that channel, I have put in a lot of content. In this, we I have just uh, shared a few slides, sorry, few links on tokenomics and on some basic concepts, but there's a lot more on that channel. Also shared here is the link to YouTube as well as the podcast, Apple Podcast. So I do hope you have found this quick primer useful and helpful and interesting. And uh, till the next episode, do stay safe. Cheers. Thank you.